Hi, welcome to the Empty Hand Podcast. This is your host, Seiji Saiki. I'm pretty excited to see the content of the latest JKA Kata DVDs coming out on January 12th. It's been 34 years since the last time they released any new content, and it's nice to see the latest changes um, in the katas and to understand what the expectations are. So I'm excited for that. My guest today is DJ Lordy, a really good friend of mine and one of the very first persons that I met at the JK headquarters, actually. He's been in Japan for a long time, training 18 years at the Aikikai Hombu Dojo and is a fifth dan in Aikido. We would have these really interesting conversations every morning, discussing different ideas and philosophies. And this episode gives you a really good idea of what those conversations were like. I'm really excited to share this one. Here it is. Chord button, <laughs> even though I've done this like <laughs> Okay, I think we're on. So, how has your hometown been affected by this pandemic situation here? Well, you know, I'm Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, and we've done fairly well, um, all things considered. Chicago's a big city and it took a hit early on. COVID was real bad. Um, and the state would open up and close at different times. We're pretty much shut down now. Again? So think, again. The time. Yeah. So, I mean, most of America shut down. <laughs> you know, I mean, people are still doing what they want to do. People, a million plus travels over the holidays. And mm-hmm. um, so people are just kind of doing what they want. But generally, like uh, most non-essential businesses are closed. You know, you wow. can't sit in a restaurant and have a meal in Chicago everything's takeout. Is that right? Is, is there like a mm. timeline for that? Cause we literally just got into a 28 day lockdown from the 26th of December to I think January 23rd, if I'm not wrong. Right. And so they usually like to put a timeline on it. Cause people like to know when things are going to end. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But this has been going on for like, you know, eight, nine months and uh, 10 months. So, you know, um, there's the government does that just to keep us so we can kind of feel this. And our, we had that time limit and it keeps getting extended. So, um, yeah. So I think that we're going to re-examine things in January is what our governor wow. said. Uh, are you saying that, um, from the beginning you were locked down all the way from, from March, April to now? No, no. So, um, summertime, I think it was, some uh, summertime things were still pretty bad. And then maybe it was October um, after a lockdown, things got a bit better. And uh, September, October, and I went back to work for like six weeks, a couple months. And then things, the numbers got bad again and they had to close everything down. So um, like, you know, I was running a, martial arts class at our Buddhist temple on Sunday. And we had about, it's a small class, about 10 people. But once the lockdown happened, it was gone, man. I mean, it's just me and my kids now. It's like me and my three Uh, sons practicing. (laughs) So, I mean, things are are locked down pretty heavy here. Yeah. People go shopping. That's about it. it, I I mean, we can go in, in many different directions with this, but Obviously, 
I think a lot of martial art instructors are going through this right now, especially if they're not allowed to operate. Um, if there's anything, not that this will help, but I, I think that when you want to grow vegetables, they will grow eventually, right? Even though there was a tornado, if you, if you plant your seeds again, they will grow. So, I mean, I, I don't know how much that helps. I think that's a good point. I think that that kind of brings us to another issue is roots, right? Without the, without deep roots, those crops will not grow back. And so martial arts that have deep roots, like your dojo, you know, well, it's, uh, they'll probably survive okay. But there's a lot of smaller dojos that don't have deep roots. They were starting a business. I was thinking about opening. Um, and so if you don't have those deep roots, let's say you signed a three-year lease on a new little storefront dojo and you were going to teach karate or Aikido or something. And then COVID happens. you got no students to support you. you got overhead that you got to pay for. You go out of business and that's what's happening in restaurants. And I'm afraid it's going to happen to a lot of good dojos too. Yeah. Well, uh, would you argue that martial arts is, is an essential business? Great I mean, because from the mental health side, I mean, we've had people that it's been a game changer for them to have a routine to go somewhere. And, and, uh, this is a huge rabbit hole, obviously, right? Because I'm not a doctor and I don't want to comment on it. But I mean, it it seemed to have worked pretty well, the social distancing, the masks, and limiting the class sizes for the dojos. It, it doesn't seem more dangerous than going to Costco. Well, yeah. So I, I don't know enough about the science, but... Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, martial arts, you know, Aikido is pretty close, like judo or jujitsu. You're breathing pretty close to people. Mm. um heavy breathing right and right when you punch yeah. or kick so i don't know enough about the science um as far as being essential it's essential to me and i think it's essential to millions of people around mm. the world um the problem is where do you draw the line right if martial arts is essential then churches and everyone's getting together in there and then you know yeah. well it's true we had that in america you know, they said, point. hey, why can't we get together in churches? Well, because you're sitting there for an hour talking and singing. <laughs> and <laughs> and that might be an issue. And, yeah. uh, and martial arts might fall into that same category. And so um, a lot of dojos here have switched to weapons uh, to give a little more social distance. Um, mm. and, uh, and, of course, we have kata in, and kihon. In karate, you can do two thirds of karate social distanced. Yeah, exactly. And you can even do a lot of kumite practice social mm -hmm. distance with timing. So, I mean, I, I would, I think teachers have been creative, and I would suggest that they keep getting creative to keep their dojos going. Because I do agree, it's an essential business. So if you're if you're in Chicago right now, though, you you physically can't be inside the dojo anymore, right? Well, that's a great question. I think we're allowed up groups up to 10 people. Okay. Um, they're kind of leaving it up to people to use their common sense. I see. Okay. So I know some people are doing some stuff. I get, I take my kids out, but we're all in the same house. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we don't wear masks and, you know. Great. So they, at, least, at least, at least you can get your practice in, right? 
always. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a good thing because a lot of people don't have a partner, right? So, I mean, what would you, what is a good alternative under these circumstances you think? Like what's the best way? Well, look, you know, if, if you're serious about your martial arts, you'll find something. And that's, you know, if you're hungry enough, you'll find something to eat. But um, for me, and that's one thing I loved about karate, you know, a lot, most of martial arts I did were Aikido, Aikido, Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, stuff like that. And you need a partner for 99% of that stuff mm. to get anything good. Um, karate, you know, I do it almost every day by myself, you know, and then if my sons are walking by, I'll grab them for a minute. And, hey, hold this pad, you know, and, mm. you know, something like that. But you can do you know, so much training by yourself. Um, and I think it's a t- good time for people to expand their martial arts. Let's say you, you're doing Aikido and you don't have experience in striking. Well, give it a shot. You know, no, no time like the present. There's plenty of videos, tutorials, te- uh, teachers teaching online. Um, so I would suggest that, you know, it, it's really going to be up to the, you know, people to be creative. I made sure that I had something in my pocket because I just love martial arts. You know, yeah. I, I got to be trained. And if it wasn't Aikido, it would be karate. If it wasn't karate, it would be Aikido Jiu-Jitsu. And, um, mm. go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Sorry about that. I, I'm curious about what, how did you start karate? Because you were really into Aikido when you were in Japan, right? And you trained at the Hongu mm. Dojo there as well. Where did the karate interest come from? Well, I started in Taekwondo and I did karate <laughs> after that. And so I you went Korean actually, to Japanese, eh? <laughs> correct. And actually I had a little Chinese in between because I was 19 years old and I was actually practicing Kung Fu, uh, Southern Praying Mantis on the south side of Chicago in his basement. <laughs> this dank basement that this sensei, you know, he was for real though. This guy never lost. He kicked trees. Like, oh I mean, he was one of those Kung Fu sensei's, like, you didn't know his name much, but he never lost a fight. Oh and uh, just complete scary dude named Obo. <laughs> uh, he might still be teaching, man. I mean, <laughs> Chinese medicine, he was into some deep stuff. And, but I was practicing there, and there was maybe, I don't know, five, ten of us, depending on the day. And I'd go there once, twice a week, because it was real far from my house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd be throwing these bags of jagged rocks at you and you would have to catch it to simulate pulling out someone's throat. And <laughs> he's teaching he teaches you how to poke the eyes out. He's like, and once you trap the arm, you break and then I poke. And I'm like, holy cow, this is great <laughs> stuff. But I'm a little more nonviolent than that. And uh, my senpai there, he said, hey, I just saw this great Aikido demonstration. And he's a Japanese shihan. You know, Akira Tohei, very cool. And I went and uh, he said, if I could train anywhere else, it'd be there. And so next week I took a ride down to the dojo, saw it, signed up that day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but for me, it's not, you know, I moved into karate because why not? You know, if you're um, first off, it's it was kind of my first love and you never forget, you know. Um, I loved Aikido and I love Aikido, but, um, you need a partner. Like I said, so one reason I said, you know, I'll be moving back to the States eventually, most likely. And I wanted something practice I could have for myself. 
my I also put my sons in karate from four and six years old in Japan. So all my sons have done karate. They're JKF black belts. Um, and I think karate is a great beginning art. And uh, yeah, because I'm I'm curious because like we we met at the Hombu Dojo, JK mm-hmm. Hombu Dojo. And at the time you were already like training full out regularly. But like, how did you find JKA, for example? Because like karate is so vast. You have Kyokushin, you have sport karate. Like, what was it about? Like, how did you find, stumble into that dojo? Oh, great question. So look, yeah, I mean, I lived in Ikebukuro, which is like one of the epicenters of martial arts and karate. You could, I rode my bike my bicycle every day to oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember. You remember <laughs> yeah, you had your bike. <laughs> right. And yeah. um and I rode my bike to the Aikikai because my house was close enough so I could ride to both dojos just from my house. Mm. Um but the re- and there were closer dojos and my children's dojo had a humbu dojo in Ikebukuro. Um that was um Shotokan. And I considered joining there and I could practice with the kids and they're really nice people. Um, but, uh, you know, if you have a chance to train with Shihan, a master teacher in anything, do it. And JKA, Budo Karate, I consider myself more of a Budoka than an Aikido-ka or Karate-ka or Judo-ka or something I see like where, that. Yeah, I see where you're going. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and, uh. So I, I really like the Budo karate aspect of it. I wasn't in it to, I'm not, I was already, what, 40 something when I joined the JKA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't going to do a bunch of Shi'ai or try to win trophies. You know, sport karate wasn't going to help me much. And I don't think it was going to help my Budo much. If you're into Budo, you should learn Budo. And so sport karate is great. Um, my kids did a ton of tournaments and that was a lot of fun to go with them uh but yeah i think that jka i mean they teach you know so you found them just by biking by biking through the dojo or like did you oh no i knew i mean look if you're in martial arts you know you know you should know what else is going on (laughs) you know (laughs) i mean look i mean if if you're walking down the street you know, not everyone's an Aikido cop, right? And you should know what other people are doing. So I was fairly familiar with Hyokushin and, you know, Sado Khan or, you know, Sado Kai Khan, you know, these different groups that are all over the place. Um, but for me, Shotokan was traditional Budo karate, and that's what I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. You never but I wasn't it. sure. It could have been really bad. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be great when I joined as a white belt. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's it's an interesting thing because depending on what you want to train for is going to completely change where you should go. Right? I mean, if you want to fight, if you want to become a strong fighter, you, Hombu Dojo is not the best place for you, right? Or... Even training at a university is not the best place for you because they're so focused on point sparring and it's not going to help you fight in a ring. Right. Right. But I mean, like you said, if you're, if you're looking for, for Budo training, the Hombu Dojo is a great place to go to. But like, how do you identify a place that is 
so-called Budo? Like, what is it that they do that makes them Budo? Right. And that's a great question, but it's really an emphasis on what you're doing, uh, on how you're doing it over, over result. And so, you know, you'll, you'll put an emphasis on etiquette, you'll, right? All these things like Budo takes time. So you could teach somebody how to punch somebody in the face, you know, how to be a decent <laughs> fighter six months, you know? I mean, seriously, I watched the UFC and you listen to these guys, you know, I've been training hard for three years, three years, you know, I'm like three years and, and they're ready to be in the UFC. Three years is nothing in Budo. You know, I mean, 20 years and you can start to talk about Budo and start to claim to have some understanding of Budo. Two, three years, these guys are ready for the octagon, the highest level. And so you can take the shortcut and you can hit that bag a lot and you can get those arm locks and you can choke people out and learn the techniques and you should do that. But it's not Budo, right? Um, you can tell when the JKA senseis and they win a match, they don't throw their hands up and start celebrating. Watch the UFC, a guy could be laid out cold and they're over him <laughs> barking in their face. You know, and I love it, but these are different things and they shouldn't be confused. And if you're teaching MMA as opposed to TMA, traditional martial arts, it's different. Mm -hmm. I, fi I find it sometimes hard to point the finger, though, at w what are the differences between like what makes someone practice Budo or not? Like from a, from a physical sense. But I think you, you just came up with a great example, though, of, of identifying uh, a difference in attitude. Like, I, I think most budoka, if they knock someone out, they're just going to run after the person to make sure they're okay, like what's going on compared to like celebrating it, right? So that that definitely is a, a major difference. Is there is there something about the class itself, the way that it's structured, that makes it different than a non-budo dojo? Well, and that's a good point, because not really. We study a lot of the same techniques, Um Right. Uh, so sport karate would give you a good example of something in between. Right. It's mm -hmm. not quite Budo. It's not quite mixed martial arts. And sometimes they knock a person out or hurt them and celebrate. Sometimes they don't. Um, as far as like, how would you tell in a dojo? And that's why you have like martial arts is transmitted person to person. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, videos are great and books are great, but you have to teach, learn with a teacher. And when you study uh, a martial art, you're not just studying the martial art, you're learning from that teacher, you're learning their style, per That's se. True. Mm -hmm. Right? Because teachers are different. I mean, Naka Sensei and Shina Sensei and, um, you know, Imura Sensei, there's they're also different. different. <laughs> right, and it's also different. Right, yeah, they're also different. And uh, even within that realm. So, um, but I think it's important to, to know what you're looking to get out of it and what you consider Buddha. Mm. Right. Cause that's a, it's a, you know, I remember one time I, when I was in, I was at Kokusai Budo Daigaku, it's a Japanese uh, Budo university. And I spent a year there uh, in a special training program. Mm -hmm. And I was doing Aikido, Kendo and Judo. Oh, wow. and yeah, and so I was hanging with this Kendo sensei, and he was actually a visiting sensei from Korea. 
spoke perfect Japanese and we trained together a bunch and we finally had a chance to sit down and he asked me about my martial arts. I said, Oh, well I practice, you know, Aikido and judo. And he goes, mm, well, that's okay, but you should specialize only do one martial art a lot. Right. Mm. Oh, try to understand that one martial art as best you can. Don't worry about winning or losing, living or dying. Just try to understand that one martial art as deeply as mm. possible. Then a year later, I'm in Tokyo with my Aikido sensei and, you know, I've talked about other martial arts and he says, oh, well, look, there's no negative between doing another martial art. It might not be positive. You might not have a positive experience, but at least you'll learn something. Mm -hmm. And so he was very open to cross training. And so when you learn even Budo, both these senseis are very high ranking, very smart, very uh, great at their arts, but they have very different views on what Budo is and how it should be practiced. Mm -hmm. So it's important to kind of find what you're looking for. That's the art part of martial arts. Is it an oversimplification to say that Budo is another word for self-perfection? I don't think so. And I, I definitely not in a modern context. And I don't know how else to explain it other than the way you just explained it. So whether you're perfecting your technique, protecting your feeling, um, trying to be a little braver, trying, you know, trying to be a little nicer, right? This perfection, so to, to sum it up, yeah, I would say that Budo is the drive for personal perfection. Yeah, because it's it seems like when you end a tool with do, right? So calligraphy, right? Shodo, right? Right. So when you finish with do, that means that what that whatever activity that you do is it's used as a tool for personal development. So I guess would you would you just would you agree that karate do, if if you're not using that tool for personal development, then you're not practicing budo. Is that essentially? how you would say it. Yeah. And I think the senseis are pretty clear on that. And that's yeah. the reason. And even the senseis, you know, I'm talking like our lineage going back mm -hmm. hundreds of years. That's the reason they put that dough there. Right. So people would not get confused on what you're doing. But in, right? North, in North America, there seems to be a huge emphasis on, I guess, if we use the Japanese terms, uh, jutsu. Mm -hmm. Right. So they they prefer the karate jutsu in in the sense that the martial art is a tool for combat. Well, I, I I think the first thing I would say is they're not wrong. I would say let's start there. That is the beginning of martial arts, mm -hmm. right? So you are learning the jutsu. That's what we're doing. So a lot of martial arts is is a spiritual path, but it's not a religion, right? Mm. We don't you know we bow to the to the front of the class to. Um, uh, to the showman, um, but we don't worship the showman, right? We don't worship karate or worship mm -hmm. Aikido, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, I would say, I would start, I agree with them, but it's, you know, you're studying through that technique, through this violent or dangerous, at very least, mm -hmm. um, tools, right? that are the jitsu right um that's where the spirituality comes in because these are dangerous tools they drive in a car it's the reason why you don't give a kid a keys to the car <laughs> right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know <laughs> or a loaded gun you know and so this is dangerous stuff 
Mm-hmm. It's the reason why they have age limits, right? You have junior black belts and senior black belts. In Aikido, you can't even get a black belt of 15 because mm-hmm. they don't, you know, it's a different idea in that martial art. I think I just can't can't uh, let go of of how irritated I am when people compare martial arts. Mm. Because like what? Well, because I find that in North America in particular, people compare mm-hmm. martial arts based off of practicality. Right? So this is good because it's useful, this is not good because it's not useful, but the way I look at it is that it depends on what you're training for. And it has to resonate with you, like your purpose and your tool. Because if doing one martial arts is going to stop you from, let's say, killing yourself, well, isn't that, isn't that a, a good reason in itself to do that martial art? Like I know uh, who's uh, Robert Downey Jr. is mm-hmm. doing some kind of kung fu. Okay. Right? And he a lot of his mental health rehabilitation he attributes to that yeah but i mean obviously if you're talking to anybody into ufc they'll say well why would you do kung fu it's not a useful martial art right or anybody who's into that scene it's more well yeah mm. so go ahead yeah sorry no uh, no I, i was just agreeing with you and i think that we have to expand some definitions here right and that's you know martial arts is new to the west our West Eastern martial arts, right? A- Asian martial arts are new to the West. And when something new comes in, you interpret it with the language and cultural understanding you have. And mm-hmm. we have competition here. In America, everything's based on competition. Business, mm-hmm. our court system, right? You have the prosecutor and the defense. Our sports are based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we learn martial arts as Westerners, we're interpreting that. Um, so I think that we have to expand the definition of what works or what's useful. Now, if you're looking for what's useful in a fight, well, there's actually a limited number of techniques that are actually useful in a fight out of most martial arts, mm-hmm. even karate. You know, it's a, you know, of course, kage ski is a great punch. But, you know, in the modern context, I don't know how often I would use kage ski in a fight, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a street fight. Mm-hmm. But you should learn it. And so um, we have to expand the definition of what's useful because or what is self-defense. We think of protecting the body. But well, how about our mind? Mm-hmm. You know, how about our spirit? Mm-hmm. And so the, the human and so um, Budo is Shingi Tai. Right, yes. Shin is kokoro, feeling. Gi is gijutsu, right? Like you're talking about technique, mm-hmm. and then tai is karada, body, and and so it's holistic. And so if we say, well, what this works here, it's a very narrow view. You're taking one leg of the three legs, mm. right, or one one third of that, and you're saying, no, I'm going to measure everything by this yardstick, by this small part, and. In Japanese martial arts, they say, no, wait, there's more to you. And that self you're trying to defend, right? There's more to you than that. And so that's why it takes so long. That's why it's holistic, because you're dealing with three parts and not one. And so if you want to get good at the jitsu and the technique and that's your measure, well, then, yeah, you know, go for something a little more direct. But if, you know, if you're, con- if you're really concerned about taking care of yourself long term, 
being in good shape when you're older, um, not just when you're young, um, having a good mental state, being able to stay positive about your own life and what's going on in the world, particularly in times like these. So a lot of my friends are shocked. Oh, you're always so positive about stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, you have to keep martial arts. You know, you've got to keep moving forward and have a positive attitude. So I would I usually try and explain that there's more to you than just your body. And so if you're talking about self-defense, yes. So martial arts is for self-defense. Buddha is for self-defense. Defend your body. Defend your mind. Defend, mm -hmm. defend your spirit. That's a huge... Um, I really like how you touched on Shingitai because I, I, I always wanted to kind of dive deep into that, but I haven't really had the chance to. I find that traditional karate training... We'll take uh, Shotokan to be specific... Mm -hmm. I don't feel that it necessarily touches on Shingitai. Oh, really? I, yes. And the reason I say that is because it requires for you to do your best all the time. Mm. And if you do Oizuki, let's say you do 100 repetitions of Oizuki. Mm. Were you really thinking with each repetition, you're going to go as fast as you can, as hard as you can, in the most effective way as you can? Chances are most people won't. Mm. Right? they'll just kind of pace themselves out for with each repetition so i find that mm. it doesn't actually develop tie like the physical conditioning in the best way unless you have an external factor because like when i was training at the Hombu dojo i was like going to the washroom before class feeling sick because i knew that if i wasn't doing my best i would get it that's why i want to sort of go back to cross training because right now, when I look at the kids that are training at our dojo, mm -hmm. and we're talk I'm talking like six years old to 10 years old, the lowest push-up number we have is like eight push-ups. Okay. Or like a seven-year-old. And the most we have is 23. And all of them could do a full split. Wow. And this Impressive. is something that when I was a kid, I was maybe only able to do four push-ups probably. And I was, <laughs> I was doing half of a split, right? But my training was very traditional. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying about the Thai aspect of it. Like, shouldn't traditional dojos be trying to infuse some training elements from judo, some training elements from gymnastics to really round out their students or martial arts? Yes. And I, I think the but this all comes down to like when a student walks into dojo, it's your personal choice. Right. Um, there are some like you asked me why I chose Shotokan. Well, there were plenty of full contact styles I could have chose, but, you know, maybe wreck up your body or whatever else. So um, it's really up to the individual. And martial arts is, is a large community. So you got to get in where you fit in. Right. You got to go where it suits you. So if you're asking for a one size fits all dojo, well, you might probably won't find it. Mm. Um, do I think that teachers? Yeah, I do. And because, look, martial arts and this is one thing I have a problem with. In Aikido specifically and some martial artists in general is they treat it like a religion. Right. That mm. that they go through all these um 
ceremonies, right? This bowing and other stuff. But then in the end, like you said, they're not in very good shape. They can't, you know, they can't really do techniques quickly or strongly. Um, they couldn't do the splits. Uh, you know, forget doing the splits. I mean, a lot of people just can't even move well. And so we are training our mind and spirit through our body. And we should never be confused about what we're doing. So, you know, I go to a Buddhist temple and I've joined there when I was 18. I've been a member for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I go for spirituality. When I'm there, I don't start busting out techniques or, right? That's my spirituality. And so, but when I'm at a dojo, I forget that I, I don't forget that I'm training my mind and spirit through my body. Mm-hmm. So you have that hardness cannot be avoided in martial arts and shouldn't be avoided. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to move your body and have fun while there's dancing and other things you can do. Mm-hmm. So people say there's a lot of different ways to do martial arts and a lot of different martial arts. And that's true. Mm-hmm. But there's really only one way. And that that's the hard way. Right. You've got to be hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Martial arts, you know, so it's not the teacher's job to be hard on you. It's your job to be hard on you. Mm. So I, you, I mean, you remember I used to stay after class and hit the makiwata and stretch and do those things. Um, and you know, that's I need to add more physical training. It was my job. No one said, "Hey, you should do this." Mm. You know, and so martial arts is really about about. Uh, well, people talk about self defense, but it's really about personal responsibility and how responsible are you for you know, your training. And you'll find people like, you know, who are really serious about the martial arts. If they don't get those push-ups in class or stretching in class, they'll stay after. And so martial that's arts is really, mm. you know, that's up to you. And if, then the sense they will know who's serious and who's not. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely think that um, obviously different stages of your life, you need to do different type of, of conditioning for your body. Right. You're not going to squat like 500 pounds in your fifties, nor should you try. Right. But, but people do need to be aware of these three elements of their training. They need to be aware that their class or their dojo or their club might have a lot of emphasis on gi or shin Mm -hmm. and not a lot of emphasis on Thai. So it's up to you to do your Thai. So whether that's running, swimming, biking, hiking whatever that is you have to do that and because i think that a lot of people go to the dojo and they they think this covers all the bases right but i i don't think it depends on the dojo it depends on the club and it depends on the instructor because a lot of karate people don't know how to fall down on the ground (laughs) and i've seen people get really hurt not by the technique but from them just falling on the ground And I do think that's a huge skill, ukemi, Mm -hmm. that's vital. I think it's vital in any martial art. People need to learn how to fall. If someone takes you down, if someone hits you, if you lose your balance, you need to be able to break that fall. Right. So how do you infuse that? I think that should be infused somehow in karate training, in regular karate training. That's my opinion. I agree a hundred percent. But so let, let's say you're, you have a karate dojo, right? And so you throw a little kemi in there. Okay. 
today we're going to teach you how to fall backwards, teach you how to fall forward, teach you how to roll. Yeah. Um, this might save your life. We do the same thing in a lot of Aikido dojos, right? Okay. We don't do a lot of punching here, but we're trying to teach you how to punch. We're trying to teach you how to how to kick. Yeah. Both the times, right? You're getting one day, and the end result, let's face it, is not a pro kicker or a pro faller, right? You're not you're not going to get ten years of Aikido in one <laughs> class. And you're not going to get ten years of karate in one True. class, right? But it's what what really what Budo does is it exposes weaknesses, and so if you just do karate, right? And you're on that floor, you're going to slip. You know, I mean, I took the header lots of times on that floor just doing my own techniques. You're moving fast and blah. And uh, so it's up to you to, okay, wait, that was scary. You know, I knew how to fall. I popped right people. Are you okay? I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> and then, you know, but, you know, and then in Aikido, same way. If you're sitting there doing techniques with somebody, and you see that you're exposed and they could hit you. And you're like, well, I, I could hit them, but wait, how would I hit them? Would it do any damage? Would I be able to, to knock them out with this punch? And of course, if they were serious, they'd go, no, I can't. So they would have to do that training themselves. So I think Budo, Budo exposes weaknesses. And I think that's what it's supposed to do. And if you're training in jujitsu, you'll see this. You're training in judo, you'll see the weaknesses of your own martial art. Mm -hmm. And then it should inspire you to cross train for those that want it. So that's exactly what a lot of people might feel um, against because I consider myself a purist, like a pure mm -hmm. JKA karate guy. But when I trained at uh, Nemoto Sensei, with Nemoto Sensei, mm -hmm. <clears throat> they're a huge judo family. Mm -hmm. Huge judo family. One of the brothers is, uh, he's the head of, of uh, police defense tactics. In the national police force in Japan. Mm. So he's a six Dan in judo and we had to do judo training every Saturday morning, 6am. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And, and even the kids, when I would go in the evenings during the kids training, they would infuse all the basic judo roles as a part of like karate training. Mm -hmm. So that really opened the doors to me and saying like, Holy smoke, like this is a huge element of training that, definitely for kids and youth should be almost as important as the basic techniques. I, yeah, I agree. And so, cause you mentioned Nemoto sensei's family had a history of a deep history of understanding judo. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, they could plug that right in, but let's say you're an Aikido teacher, right. And you've mm -hmm. been doing 20 years of Aikido and you love Aikido, but you've never done jujitsu. And you're going to try to choke somebody. You've never done karate and you're going to try to teach a punch. You know, there's a reason why all these martial arts are split off into specialties. Mm. Right. And so it's good to infuse other stuff, but the quality might not be there. And so if you're teaching karate, you should be teaching karate. And it's good to put in some Aikido and put in some Judo and put in some Jiu-Jitsu or, you know, Eido or whatever you like. But, mm. you know, um, Otherwise, you start to it starts to bleed into this kind of mixed martial arts and yeah. students, you know, you you become, you know, too diffused. And so, I, you know, when I teach karate, I teach karate. When I teach Aikido Jiu-Jitsu, I'm teaching Aikido Jiu-Jitsu. When I teach Aikido, I'm teaching Aikido. And I, mm -hmm. I explain some of the similarities in that stuff there.
you know, how they connect. But otherwise, you, that's what you get a lot in the States is you've got somebody trying to teach everything and they end up learning nothing. Mm. Right. You get a point. lot of little things and then you don't get really anything. And so if you're doing Aikido, you should do Aikido. Um, if you're doing karate, do karate. But if you got your eyes open, if there's any bit of self-awareness and personal honesty, you'll see how exposed you are. <laughs> and then it's up to you. Because most people go their whole adult lives without getting into a fight. Mm. Right? And so that's why it's important that dojos teach Budo. Because those soft skills, right, that you learn in Budo, those are the skills that you use every day. Mm -hmm. Those are the skills you use at work, with your family, with your friends, at the dojo. Those soft skills, it's not the punches and kicks that are going to save your life, the chokes and the wrist locks that we do. It's really having a community around you and being able to have good, healthy relationships with those people. So, it's being strong enough. Oh, no, please. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I shouldn't have interrupted you there. I was just wondering, like, what what are those soft skills? Like, what are examples of them that you think are the most essential? Well, um, so look, if you're, you know, soft skills, hard skills are easy to see, right? A punch, a kick, a throw. Um, but it's really the practice and, and self-awareness, right? So like martial arts, no matter what you do, is hard. Aikido has a reputation for being an easy martial art. And compared to other martial arts, I, I think it is because there's no Shia. You never have to prove what you know. Um, but, you know, if you roll around, that ukemi is difficult. You've done it. You know, it's not easy. Um, and, and no matter what you do, it's a humbling experience. You know, um, and so, you, you know, those soft skills, you learn to ask for help. You notice I develop a relationship with the senseis and the senpai at JKA, like Kugu senpai or David senpai. And because um, I needed help, it's, oh, man, I'm really not good at this. <laughs> and the senseis just told me I'm not good. I better work harder. You get help. So it's humbling. You, you can't really have that pride. Um, it teaches patience, right? If you mentioned all the, the re, the etiquette, the bowing we do. So much of our class time is taken up with that stuff. Each time we change technique, each time we change partners, we bow, right? And, well, some people think that's a waste of time. But the, it teaches the soft skills. It teaches you patient weight. I got to think before I move. I'm not going to just move. Mm. And so, um, right, it teaches sensitivity, right? Um, mm. you, you hit and you, you uh, get hit. In Aikido, you throw and you beat and you're thrown. So it's 50-50, right? There's no, mar I don't know any martial arts. It's just one dude wailing on another guy, <laughs> right? If you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's just, okay, you stand there and you're going to, I'm going to beat the crud out of you. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's right. You take, in Aikido, you take Ukemi and then you're Nage. In Karate, right? If you're doing your uh, both sides of Kihonipon or key home practice so mm -hmm. um right and so it teaches you sensitivity weight right everyone you, i'm sure you've seen people do it they crack off and hit somebody pretty hard or don't mm -hmm. do some kimet and then all of a sudden it's their turn well bam like oh what are you doing you know and it, wait 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 i gotta think about this i gotta be sensitive mm. so that's why they turn that's why they teach you know some kimet um 
you know, intuition. It teaches you to kind of think about what your partner is going to do or your sensei is going to do. Mm-hmm. So those soft skills are really the most useful. It's interesting. Would you consider even something like saying hello or acknowledging another person? Would you consider that a soft skill you learned from Most Udo? definitely. Yes. And you probably remember this from being in Japan, but when you, anytime you enter a dojo you and if someone's behind that desk or even they're not, you generally bow to that desk and you say good morning or good afternoon or yeah, uh, right. Konnichiwa something on a guy. Right. Yeah. Um, even if they're not there. Right. So, um, that's so yeah, funny. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I remember it. I, when I was doing, uh, instructors training i had to say good morning mm. and i could not miss saying good morning to anybody so full right. out feet together bow ohayo gozaimasu to everyone and like if you didn't like it's a, it's not a good idea but when i started working here in canada i would say i would say good morning to everybody and i didn't realize that that was something that was unique or or unusual to say good morning to people. And it, I, I, I do think that it, it was, it was a good thing that I did that. I do think that it, it helped, you know, develop interpersonal relationships with people at work and even something as simple as that. I, I didn't realize was something that carried over. Well, right. And, but the real question is why don't we say good morning? Right. So really a lot of Budo is fighting human nature right? It's fighting inflexibility. It's fighting unfitness. It's, and it, most of all, it's fighting this kind of shyness, this hazakashi, right? This kind of shyness that humans all have. And martial arts, Budo is supposed to teach you how to be brave, right? But if you can't say good morning to somebody, how are you going to fight some guy attacking you? So it teaches you how to be brave and you do it in March and Budo teaches you little by little, right? It's not like war, Right, where you go through kind of basic training and then they put you in some you kind go. of horrible <laughs> place with a gun, right? And you're supposed to go, you know, protect yourself and kill people or whatever. I mean, that's you know, it's the reason why people come back from war with a lot of issues, right? Yeah. And so and so martial arts Budokar are warriors, but they know that that you know, if you raise warriors that way, they just come back shell-shocked, right? And so to yeah. make a real warrior. A long term, what they always, you know, you hear a lot of people pay lip service to the warrior for peace or peaceful warrior. Uh, people love doing their Twitter handles with stuff like that. Peaceful warrior 20, 2012 or, you know, <laughs> and but, you know, peaceful samurai or something. You get a lot of that stuff. It's all cool. But that's the right idea. But really, martial arts is about one thing, about being brave, about challenging yourself. And yeah. and so the Japanese Budo really makes you hey. Each step of the way, you stop, you look them in the eye, you bow, and you say, good morning. Yeah. And they make you do it and until it becomes part of who you are. Exactly. Yeah, it does become part. Would you say that, did you notice that as well? Oh, I noticed it when I didn't do it. I first moved to Japan, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd walk into the Aikikai, and I was, you know, I didn't want to bother them, right? From my own point of view, I was being polite. Yeah. They were working behind the desk. And I said, oh, right, they're at work. Don't bother. 
I put my card down and I bowed and I, I went inside. And then um, one of my senpai knew somebody from behind the desk and said, oh, you know, DJ, right? Oh, you mean the guy doesn't say good morning? And then <laughs> right after that, and it was every morning, it was high with Zanas. But because that was, a little old lady behind the counter was not pleased with my etiquette. <laughs> but that that's the one thing I noticed um, with you at the Hombu Dojo is that you were kind of like helping people not make those mistakes when they would come in to visit or they would come in. Man, here's the real secret. And this is, and you know this, no matter how many great teachers you train with, you still got to do it yourself. For sure. Right? For sure, for sure. And so, and that's, you know, oh, well, you trained with this guy, you trained with that woman, and they're really great. And that's insane, you know. Uh, but yes, but you got to do it. I don't care who you trained with or how many certificates you have, right? You got to do it. And that includes those techniques. So, and I, I let people, I try to help people because there's so much to know. I could tell you this one point, but the other hundred points I didn't cover that day, right? For and you'll sure. find out there's enough to learn. The hard, there's enough hard way there no matter how much I tried to help people out. Yeah. Cause I mean, um, like you said, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would go to the dojo and, and would not say good morning because they're trying to be considerate or they don't like, but you, it's, it was nice to have you there to, to help people just understand how things work in the dojo, how, what is considered proper etiquette. And man, that was, that was, that was those are good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. And I, I learned so much from you and Mark and my other senpai there. But I came in there, right? Not like most white belts, right? I've already had like 30, you know, 20 years, 25 years in martial arts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I lived in Japan, I think 15 years at that time, mm -hmm. 14 years, something like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I already had a lot of those hard ways. I also had really good senpai and really good senseis. Um, and so you want to pass that on. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, I was glad to do it, but yeah, it was, uh, it taught me a lot doing it too. So I was glad for the opportunity. And when you, when you went back to the States, you, you must've had like a major reverse culture shock, didn't you? Cause you were in Japan for, for how many years? Like almost 20, right? Yeah, it was over 18. Oh my gosh. So, so what was that like when you first stepped in back to America? Um, I think that, yeah. So it was so much of change and so much hasn't, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Americans definitely became more sensitive and uh, more concerned about feelings. That was different. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you were kind of sticks and stones and now people are really watching words and how people feel about that and mm. even dojos. So, um, and then the political scene, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. And there was a bit of, a bit of culture shock. Um, but, you know, um, that's what you want. You want to be outside your comfort zone mm -hmm. in martial. That's what makes martial arts special. Well, that's hard for me. Well, if it's too hard, you shouldn't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And but if if you can take it, well, a little uncomfort. So I, you know, there's a phrase, you know, itamagai uh, kego adame. It means you know, a pain is okay, but no injury. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
And so, you know, coming back here, yeah, it was a shock, but it was just an opportunity for me to grow. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got to admit though, I thought I was prepared for it. I wasn't <laughs> still a shocker. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I tend to deal with all things as best I can with that martial arts mind, which is you take what's in front of you and you deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if it goes your way, great. If it doesn't, well, that happens too. And you just keep fighting. So, um, I was very glad to bring my kids here though. I think America, you know, the education system and, you know, it gave my kids something else that they couldn't get in Japan. It's funny how there's like two sides of the equation though, right? I mean, obviously the Japanese schooling system has some things that the American system doesn't do and vice versa. Like, what would you say is some of the elements that like, what are the pros and cons for, from on both sides? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I just talked to my kids about this and they were all in June, uh, elementary school or junior high. We've only been back about four and a half, almost five years, four and a half years. As already? Yeah, already. <laughs> it goes Jeez, by bad. Man. Holy. Yeah. I, I know. Remember like yesterday, I, remember, I remember our farewell, our farewell. <laughs> That's right. That dinner, yeah, me, you and Martin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trio. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure Mark's going to do this in a lot of people with their edu- kid child's education in Japan. But, you know, I asked my kids, I said, what did you've been through both education systems? What do you think the differences are? You know, what did you like more? And they said, the biggest difference is education in Japan team tends to go from teacher to student. The information is transferred, the student writes it down and then it's tested on that information. Mm-hmm. In America, it's more of a conversation information is exchanged, ideas are exchanged, and then you write about those ideas, you give your opinions on those ideas. Mm-hmm. And all three of my kids said that's their biggest take. The interesting part, I, I said, well, what did you like better? And they said they they both liked them both equally, had good points and bad points, but it's mm-hmm. too hard to choose. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think both, look, education it's meant to prepare you to live in that country. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Japanese, they do a lot of like home ec stuff that we don't do here much. Like my kids were sewing pillows and cooking meals in yeah. elementary school and junior high. Yeah. And I never did that once. I went through, you know, Chicago public schools and I never, <laughs> I never even took an art class. This is, you know, um, so that's how different you know, in Japan, they consider music and art essential. Not in America. It's like you were talking about with techniques, how we boil everything down to what's essential, you know, what works, mm. what's useful. And the Japanese had a different view on that music is useful to Japanese people. Um, art is useful to Japanese. Everyone learns how to draw. Mm. Everyone learns how to paint. Everyone learns shodo. They learn calligraphy. Um, that's not true in the States. And so America prepares you to take care of yourself, right? Mm. And Japan prepares you to be part of a society. Mm. If, and I think that's pretty clear from my view. Do, do you think that your kids are going to want to do their university in Japan? 
Great question. Because my oldest son it just applied to a bunch of schools. And, oh, is he uh, at that stage now? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, next year. He goes Holy to college. smoke, man. Yeah. <laughs> you might have met him. I brought him to the JKA a couple times to train. I can't remember if you were upstairs oh, training at that time. Yeah, but, but it's, uh, I guess, five years for a kid is, yeah. or a teenager. It's just a major difference the way they look and, and think and everything. <laughs> yeah. They're all, you know, two out of three are taller than me now. Oh, <laughs> you know? gosh. So, um, and so we're looking at that. And I asked him, I said, if you, so in order to go to a Japanese university, right? So my children attend a Japanese school here in Chicago. So on Saturdays. And so they will graduate. Um, with the same diploma the kids get in Japan. So they could go there. Um, but they oh. would have to study because the level of kanji that Japanese, that even that my kids know, is not to the same level of information that they would have in Japan. And if they wanted to go to a good school in Japan, they would probably have to spend a year just studying for that exam and then get in to that school. So in Japan, they choose you by mostly your uh, your test scores. Mm. Here you write, you know, you write essays, and there might even be interviews. Um, they look at your volunteer work, um, you know, different things like that. In Japan, it's it's just all test scores to get into college, wow. and so my kids would have to spend a year studying to get in there. And so they they the oldest at least chose the states. What about an uh, English program in Japan? Yeah, I, I attended one. I went to Temple there at yeah. Temple University. And um, and there's other, you can do, I think, other schools, especially for MBAs. They they teach a lot of that in English, I know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's up to them. And uh, I recommended that they go there to live after college and, and just, you know, see Japan as an adult and not a kid. Because mm-hmm. it will look like a different country. Mm. How How... Because obviously, I, di- I didn't know this about Japan, but there are some universities like such as Tsukuba where you can mm-hmm. get a full-out scholarship in, in, um, studying in an English program. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah. if I would have known, oh my God, you know, but uh, that doesn't, not a lot of people seem to know that. And like, for how essential do you find it for a younger person to travel abroad um, yeah, I, I think that traveling abroad is for, look, it's good for everybody. You know, we tend to focus on youth because they have their whole life ahead of them. And if you start off on the right foot, right, you can, that's why we, you know, same with martial arts or anything else. That's why we start them as kids. You start off on the right foot and travel is great for anybody, but particularly kids, young people, um, because it, it allows you to kind of you know, as you're starting out to, open, you know, young people's minds are a little more open. As you get older, you know, your your things you like, you know, and dislike tend to become more pronounced, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, right, young kids are a little more flexible. They're used to being told what to do. They're used to being confused. So traveling abroad is great. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. So I, I recommend it. You know, um, I spent one year at Japanese university, and I really liked it. Um yeah. You know, I don't know if I'd want to do four years there because um, mm-hmm. I did like the U.S. system better. Um, that kind of exchange that my kids talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a different education style. Um, 
also like, uh, but, but traveling abroad, um, you know, it challenges all your preconceptions, mm. you know, um, especially Japan. I mean, Japan is the ultimate, West, you know, it's West, the West, it's America inside out, right? Mm. It's we versus me, you know, it's a group versus the individual. They, it's a whole different mindset. And so I recommend everybody take a trip to Japan just to see that some people live differently. It might not be for you, but you have a choice to kind of think differently and move differently. And you're not stuck in, you know, just because you were born in one place doesn't mean you have to think that way. Mm-hmm. Just because you were born doing things one way, you're not stuck there. So, um, yeah, I think that travel is essential. And what's nice about a dojo is sometimes, look, I, you know, I grew up, you know, and my family didn't, you know, weren't very well off. So travel wasn't an option. But um, training in martial arts, well, you could see different people from different walks of life right there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people from other countries would come to visit um, or people that uh, – before my trip to Japan, I had a senpai who lived in Japan and he came to Chicago to attend university and he told me about his time there. I said, well, that was incredible. I definitely got to go. <laughs> and so a dojo, even if you can't travel, is kind of an international environment where people can come in and that type of expansion of your world and expansion of your mind that travel supposed to, you can get right at home. That's fascinating that you say that because like at our dojo, there's a bunch of... <laughs> bunch of really smart people (laughs) from completely different walks of life right and everybody has a unique story and and experiences right and it's it's a beautiful exchange right of people it's like a mini community right and that's what you know like the difference between school like like a lot of times you get old and you go oh i remember school it was the best well what made school so great you know it wasn't the lunches And uh, it wasn't looking cool or, you know, it was, you know, what made school great is you were learning, you were growing. And that's Mm. part of human nature, I think. And so Budo provides lifelong learning, lifelong school, right? A teacher there to tell you yes and no, to give you tasks, to to try out, to give you an occasional pat on the back. Not so much in Japan, as you might remember, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, you have to tell you. (laughs) Not a lot with the compliments. Yeah, yeah. Um, you never get a compliment. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I can count on my hands how many times I got a compliment in martial arts in Japan. <laughs> you know, if if they didn't say no, that was the compliment. Yeah, yeah. If they didn't point and laugh or, you know. It's a, and that's a different education system, right? If you If I could never train my students the way I was trained in martial arts. That's true. I could never raise my kids the way I was raised. They'd throw me in jail. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? You can't do that to kids. But it was normal. It was the seventies in Chicago. <laughs> Let them walk to school. You know, whatever. Dangerous neighborhood. No one's holding your hand across streets. <laughs> so, um, right. But this is so. Budo provides that lifelong learning. And uh, and it also reflects society, right? Modern education, everything's split by age, right? If you watch old movies, the small towns, kids were educated different ages together, right? They had the school and kids of different ages. And 
this is more natural, in my opinion, like martial arts. You'll have, I've had my kids there at JKA or other dojos, Aikikai, training on the mats with different age groups. Mm-hmm. And neighborhood dojos are, are very much run like this. Where you'll have a lot mm-hmm. of mix between young adults and adults or even kids and adults. And even if, even if you're over, you know, 15 or 18, you're working with adults. Well, there's a huge range in there, right? I mean, you have an 18 year old and you can have an 80 year old. Mm -hmm. And so that type of mix in a dojo, you know, educational, economic, social, I, to me, that's what makes martial arts so special. Anyone can join. You need no background. You don't need any experience. Mm. Um, Right. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you look like. We have Paralympics, you know, I mean, we have, you know, para- for martial artists, you know, like judo and karate. Um, so, you know, martial arts, is, I think, is a special place, unique in modern society. Do you find it any different than someone going to a sports club? Well, or someone doing ultimate Frisbee on a weekend. I mean, would you describe it differently? Well, who joins? Tell me, tell me the average member of ultimate Frisbee. Age-wise? Well, well, I mean, let's break it all down, right? Okay, it's probably a white guy. (laughs) Then it's probably a guy. Then he's probably pretty young. Then he's probably (laughs) from the suburbs, (laughs) right? And then all of a sudden it becomes narrower and narrower. And so the people practicing ultimate frisbee, you know, it's a pretty narrow group. (laughs) I never thought of it like that. (laughs) And but when I practiced martial arts, I had a lot of female senpai. I had a lot of old. Of course, all my senpai were older. Right. And I had younger kohai. And and so this I had, you know, some my senpai were, you know, janitors at schools. Others were college professors or doctors. You know, Mm. there's such a variety there. And and I don't know if ultimate Frisbee is going to get that type of variety. Yeah, a martial it. arts attracts such a wide range of people because it offers so much. That's interesting that you say that. Because I, looking back when I was in university, um, I hung out with my high school friends, but a lot of times I would hang out with people from the dojo who were 10, 20, 30 years older than me. Right. I wasn't out partying with people my age, put it that way. Right. It's a. And, it's interesting you say that. Well, did you get some from that experience? Did, would you have been better off with just hanging with guys your own age? No, I I think that uh, my maturity came from that. Right, that and to me, yeah, and same here. And I think that I can't speak for Canada so much, but I can definitely tell you in the states that this type of segregation, this div- division by by age and uh, education and economics um and of course in america and a lot of most other countries by race and and gender these things um at at times can be quite i mean maybe you know dividing classes amongst black belts and white belts or something Mm -hmm. but really for real long-term growth you have to have a lot of interaction because that's where the challenges come in Mm. you know when i would practice with people of my own rank you know or own level you would practice at a certain level when i practice at People like yourself who were much better, I would learn differently. My practice were beginners, I had to adjust. Mm-hmm. Those adjustments, those soft skills we were talking about earlier, you know, that's where the challenges come in. 
the long-term challenges and the long-term growth. Mm-hmm. So that's why, yeah, I really, that's why I, I really like the idea of a dojo. I don't know something else like it, like if dance or um, sports, which would be the closest equivalents, you know, they seem to attract, you know, a more narrow group. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even martial arts. Yeah. Even martial arts though, you can argue that, that people, do go to particular clubs that resonate with them too, though, right? Well, not just that. You can see it broken down by all those things we talked about, by gender, or race, or economics, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, most most of it's men, right? You know, it's got to be 85, 90% men in most martial arts. You know, you know what? I think we're 50% women. That's our, impressive. I think we maybe... I have to look at the numbers again, mm-hmm. but I remember one time going to class and it was like 60, 70% women, 30% men. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not Aikido too. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, I never really thought of it that way because I, it, I never really think of gender when we train karate, right? I just think <sighs> karate. Right. It, it's interesting how it, there is that kind of acceptance of, of, of anybody Yes. In in a true, we'll say like a Budo martial art club, like there is no, the only people that don't belong is if you're an asshole. <laughs> right. There's one rule, right? Yeah. It's like fight club or something. There's one rule and don't be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. And even, <laughs> and even some people have a hard time with that one. Yes, but, of course. Uh, but that's the challenge. And, and, and so, and you approach it the right way and I approach it much the same, but when you start teaching and you, you know, I would like a dojo with a lot of women in it. I like a dojo with a lot of kids in it and a lot of older people in it for that kind of cross pollinization. You know, my wife for years, she goes, someday, you know, you're going to open up a dojo and she's, she goes, I'm worried you're going to have 10 of the world's best students and that's it. You know, that I, cause I was such a, such a hard that I, I was, when I train, I tried to be softer, but I'm pretty strict guy for my training and stuff. And, uh, and on my Cole highs and my students. And, um, she was worried that I would chase everyone out of there except for like a few tough people. And I have actually an opposite point of view. I, I think martial arts has a, a mandate or a, uh, uh, a goal of reaching as many people as possible. So Marshall, the dojo should have a large entrance and a small exit. And what that means is you take almost anyone coming in, but if you want to leave with that black belt, well, that's a pretty small exit. You're going to have to contort yourself a little bit to get out of there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what makes martial arts great and also difficult. We accept anybody, right? Hey, come on in, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to help you out. And, you know, help you physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, but by taking so many different people at different stages in their lives and mm-hmm. personal development, there for different reasons, you know. So, no, I don't think we should – I think as a practitioner, you should look at it like you are. You're on the mat. You look for the best people to practice with. Go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a teacher, yes, you should look – you have to take a more – broad view of things and you know are we reaching all the communities that we want to reach and in my view not 
Oh. I think martial arts is special for the reasons that you stated. And I want to, that was really my goal is to, to spread meditation and martial arts to underserved communities. Yeah. I, I mean, it, if someone's living in a city and there's no karate dojo, I'm, I'm not fixated on that because the, the best dojo is a place where you have a good instructor, a good community and good members. And that could be any martial art, really, to, to, to some extent. You, you, you see what I mean? Like, it, whether it's judo, whatever it is, right? Right. I think that's the most important thing. Because, like, obviously, it's not every city that's going to have... Like, they may have karate, but it may not be... You know, you may not have a good instructor. You may not have a good community and good values. That's right. Yeah. So, people... Like, you mentioned earlier about how people ask you when you're comparing martial arts and... What's the best martial art? And mm. um, I always, I never worried about, I always tried to train with the best t-shirt. Because, mm. you know, because like you said, in your town, like we've, we had a couple other teachers. We did have a JKA teacher in Chicago. He's a bit older though than my teacher. Um, and didn't have as many classes as the Aikido. Um, so I joined the Aikido Dojo. Um, but, you know, so you live in a big city like Chicago, you might have two or three, four solid choices. But you live in a smaller town, you might have one dojo if you're lucky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, but you should always just try to train with the best people and that will make you the best, whether it's finding the best teacher and don't worry about the martial art or the best senpai and uh, don't worry about, you know, their level or whatever. You know, having the highest rank doesn't make you the best senpai. Oh, (laughs) certainly not. It's, it's, I think a lot of it is about the soft skills too. Right. I mean, but it, it boils down to what your purpose of training is. Right. I mean, if you want to fight professionally, then you have to find the right gyms for that. Right. But I mean, if you're looking for personal development, then you do need to have an instructor that's not going to say, okay, I'm going to teach you respect and humbleness. It's all talk, no action. Right. Right. So you do need to find someone who's actually able to transmit that. But my, my question to you is, in Aikido, how do you keep someone who's between the ages of 16 to 25? Because in karate, it seems to be that's where they all disappear. And a lot of that has to do with the competitions. They're either not interesting enough. They don't have a reward that's significant enough. They can't make a living out of it. So usually they don't continue between 16 and 25. So, since Aikido doesn't have competition, which I think is, it's good if you want to stay authentic to the Buddha way. Hmm. How do you keep people in that age group? Well, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a problem for all martial arts. And it's most, and actually karate is probably doing a better job than most. Really? Because I can tell you, oh yeah, Aikido is, it's, well, look, first off, martial arts has like a 99% attrition rate. Right. I, I think it's the only thing I know. Think about it to black belt or especially like Nidan Sandan. You know, I mean, you lose nine out of 10 in the first six months, you know, and definitely that first year. And then if you keep one in that new year, you know, you're lucky. You know, if 10 students joined in January, come December, you might have one. And, um, so how you keep people is really the main conversation that everyone I know is having right now. 
how do you how do you move martial arts? Um, like I learned from the World War II or post World War II generation, right? And that generation who was born uh, before the war um, and lived through the war, or just after World War II. And that generation of martial arts, well, all those people are aging out. And people like, mm. and we're losing a lot of students because some people, for some reason, they're not, students aren't as interested as they once were. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of reasons, right? Um, you know, there's no Bruce Lee. When I was a kid, I saw Bruce Lee, Wando Karate, you know, that's um, <laughs> now, right? It was simple. I was a skinny <laughs> kid. I saw a skinny guy kicking a lot of butt. I said, I want that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm doing that. Because in up to then in America, I mean, mm. you had to be a beefy. It was John Wayne or, you know, a bunch of meatheads, you know, punching each other in the face. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, no, uh, thanks. I hope I'll take the karate. Um, and so that inspired Karate Kid. That movie inspired a lot of kids to join, right? Mm. Um, and now we're competing with the internet, right? With games and YouTube, you know? Mm. And so you're fighting for a um, the attention when they have so many other choices. Um, and so... Um, and then plus martial arts unto itself is just hard. You're asking somebody to do something that's hard. Mm. And a lot of people kind of shy away from that long term. You know, believe me, there's not a person walking around out there today that wouldn't like to move like a like a martial artist. That wouldn't like the confidence that wouldn't like to. There's not a person walking around out there today that would love to be able to tell their friends, oh, I'm a black belt. But it's a long road and it's can be difficult. Mm -hmm. And so how you keep students is really what I'm hearing from other teachers, other students, other organizations. And, um, and I think that we have to do a better job of explaining what martial arts is. And um, because the Japanese don't really explain martial arts, they do it. And then it's imbued in you, you, you soak it in and then you're supposed to do it too. And, but in Canada and U.S., we don't have the cultural context. If you say Aikido, or if, you know, if you use these, if you use, you know, Kamidana, you know, the, the, the God shelf at the front of every dojo, right? If, if, you know, if you use those terms in Japan, even if they've never done martial arts, they know what this is. They've seen it in TV. They've um, all practiced judo or kendo in junior high school, at least. So there's a cultural context for martial arts in Japan. Mm. And when martial arts moved abroad, they tried to teach it the same way. They didn't know any other way. And they mm. said, okay, I'm going to show and you're going to learn. Like Japanese education system, right? I show, you take notes, and then you do it my way. Westerners don't learn like that. Mm -hmm. And we have to, and in modern people, in Japan, it's the same problem. It's not like people are lining up, in, like young people in Japan are lining mm -hmm. up to do martial arts. Um, it's a modern issue, not just a Western issue. Um, and we have to do a better job of saying what martial arts is, what it's for, and about the full breadth of martial arts, right? From zero to 10. Zero being yoga, meditation, one or two, three, maybe Aikido, and moving down the line, you know, seven, eight karate, 
and then finally, you know, jujitsu, and then finally just street fighting, right? And martial arts incorporates everything, right? Because we start every class with Mok Sol, right? With meditation, right? Um, and end every class with Mok Sol, right? Meditation. Um, so uh, we have, and so there's a spiritual end and a physical end. So if you if you have a talented teacher, they can really explore that full range of martial arts and explain what you're doing. You have to explain it. You can't just show anymore. Mm-hmm. We are doing this today, and this is why we do this, and this is what you're getting out of it. If you're waiting, that people are too impatient to, you know. When I joined martial arts, they told me it would take 20 years to get good. I signed up that day. Mm-hmm. I when I was in Japan, I people started asking me. I, I taught a class on on Sundays a couple times a month for like kind of like high level Aikido people who wanted to learn Aikido and high level stuff. So I had a class, I don't know, about 10, 10, 12 people would show up on the regular. And, um, and when they would, uh, um, and I would have to explain to them, they were Japanese. Every, almost everybody there in my class was Japanese, but they didn't know. I, okay. This is what we're doing. This is what that Waza is. This is the Oyo. This is, you know, the spiritual aspect of this and how to practice this way. And when you come to the West, you you got to explain everything. And you can't just hope that students are going to understand what it's about. Mm. And so that's, that's, and also that's one reason why I practice three martial arts. To me, it wasn't, uh, I practice a lot more, but I, I plan to teach three martial arts. It's because not every martial art is going to reach the same student. But for me, it's not important what you're doing. It's that you're teaching Budo and that they're being part of Budo, that that personal growth that we talked about. So um, mm. as far as keeping them interested, I, I hate to say it, senseis are going to have to be a, do a better job explaining things. And they're going to have to be OK letting some students go. You know, not everyone's going to stay. And so, you know, let them go. They got to go. I, I really believe that competition and sport aspect of of martial art is making it harder for us to explain what martial arts can do. The doctor will recommend someone to do yoga as a holistic tool, but they're never going to say, go do karate. Right. Because the more that it has the image of being a sport or, or combative competition, they're not going to tell, they're not going to recommend it as a tool. I think we have to educate people on and That's what I meant about explaining. So how are these doctors supposed to recommend martial arts if they don't know what it is? If they have an image of two guys just sitting there punching each other in the face and they don't see that martial arts is uh, have different age groups, different body types, that practice is tailored for each student. Yes. There's very few places that do that, right? Okay, you know, I do that for all my students. They have trouble rolling. Okay, well, don't do that. Just do this, you know? And so I think that we have to educate the medical community. And I think that's, I know a lot of doctors that, and nurses and that do martial arts and paramedics. I was a paramedic and a lot mm-hmm. of people that do it. Definitely. No, I, but that. I, I think competition is essential. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's not essential. I think it's extremely important, especially for a young person because they, they want to have purpose right? When they're 16, 17, 18, 19, they, they want to test themselves. And I think that's important to have, but 
I think that an organization needs to market more than just the competition. Because that seems to be the only thing that that in seminars. Right. But that's what people are looking for. Look, if people people know dojos are out there. It's not like they haven't heard of martial arts. And if they wanted to Google it, like back in the day, you had to drive by a place or break out the old phone book if you wanted to find a martial arts place. Nowadays, you can just Google it. And uh, martial arts has never been more widespread or prevalent, I think, than it is today. Hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't, so of course we have to advertise for competitions and for seminars as tends to be our main advertisements. Hmm. But, um, but really what brings people into martial arts usually a lot of times is word of mouth. And so it's not so much just educating the general public. That's a long-term goal. Short-term is if you educate people in your own dojo, well, this is what martial arts is. This is what you're getting. This is why we spend time doing etiquette. Mm. right where you know you're 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 pausing before the technique to show respect mm. to show that you care that uh, wait before we fight i'm going to think about well how we're going to train together before we train mm-hmm. and and you explain each one of these steps when those people quit because most of them will they're going to have a good image most people still love they don't quit easily i used to run into people all the time who quit they quit Aikido, quit karate, and they run up to you and, oh, man, I'm coming back soon. I'm Man, I love it. It's just I got busy at work or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of, you're welcome back anytime and explain that any age you can come back. And so we have to do a much better job of, uh, of reaching out to our current students and explaining things without being over, without, with keeping that martial arts heart, right? It should be hard. And I'm not here to baby you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you, you know, if this is an uncomfortable experience, it's supposed to be. If you don't want to be uncomfortable, go do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, growth is uncomfortable. They call them growing pains for a reason. They don't call it, you know, you know, growing fun or it's growing pains. It hurts. Mm-hmm. And if you want to grow in martial arts, you have to, it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard, mm-hmm. but you're not alone. And it's, and you're going to get so much out of it. And if we explained a lot, it's like kids, they want to quit school. <laughs> well, don't, if you keep studying, you're going to really enjoy it. And, mm-hmm. and same thing. So I think we have to do a much better job of understanding what it is we do. Right. If competition is a part of karate, you, you shouldn't shy away from it. You should put out the posters for your seminars. You should put out the posters for your, um, for the competitions. Uh, Aikido isn't. All we have are seminars and and uh, demonstrations. And um, so you have to understand what your son. So people might not like competition. Oh, well, great. I have Aikido here. There's no competition. It's all about harmony. You can do that. Well, I really want competition. Great. Well, we have karate. And if I wasn't teaching, you know, we have great teachers here in Chicago and I would recommend one of them. And so I think understanding that there not, might not be a one-size-fits-all and that I know what I'm presenting to my students. I try to make it as clear as possible. This is traditional mm-hmm. Japanese martial arts, um, and it's a difficult experience, and I will be here to help you through it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all you can really offer. You know, anything else, anything else is fake. 
Anything else, you, they become uh, customers and not students. That's you know, I'm, you're not a customer when you you pay your dues, but that's to keep the lights on. You know, your your the real pay, your real payments, your sweat and training, your blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. So if you're not paying that, well, you're not a customer when you train with me. I give you a white belt, and well, okay. After that, it's a student teacher relationship. Mm. Um, like parent and child, my children aren't always happy with my decisions and what I think they should do and neither should students. And if they don't understand today and they need to quit, well, okay. Maybe they're not supposed to do martial arts. Maybe you don't deserve a black belt. Mm -hmm. So black belt, right? Kudo. Kudo means black, right? But it's also another meaning. And it means, you know, kudo shteru is to go through something difficult or arduous or rough. Mm. And so when you talk about a black belt, it doesn't mean the color of the belt. What it means is you went through that difficult time. You you earned it. You went through this difficult experience. Mm. You know, it's, it's so interesting. Um, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And uh, so, so the main thing is I try to make sure people know what they're signing up for. Martial arts is fun. You're going to have community, but it's a difficult experience and you should be prepared for that. Yeah. I think that depends obviously on how you present yourself, right? And and on an, on a club level. And how you what is the the values that you want to uphold when you run your own club or dojo. I'm just thinking like is there anything that could be done to to change the perception of of what martial arts or what karate can do for people? I, I was just is there a way that it would be recommended by the doctor? Um, say this yeah. is, you know, could be a viable option because there's different aspects of, of wellness, right? Physical, yeah. social, different organizations have a different paradigm of what they consider the important aspects of personal health. But martial arts is one of the few that tackles all of them. I mean, if I'm drawing or painting, it could be really good for my mental health, but it's not necessarily something that's physical, something that's challenging me physically. And I find that martial arts is one of those few things that can really encompass all of those aspects. And sport is driven for a victory. If you lose, it could be self-destructive. And that's that aspect of sport that I don't think is necessarily holistic. I don't know if I'm being very clear with what I'm saying. No, no, you're very clear because this is a very, look, Aikido was specifically designed with competition out of it. It's the only Gendai Budo, the only modern Budo, um, right? You have Kobudo, right? Like uh, Aikido Jiu-Jitsu. And then you add those Jiu-Jitsu forms hmm. of EI and Jiu-Jitsu. And then you have Kobudo. It was created in the late 1800s or after the late 1800s. And that includes all the Do martial arts, right? Judo, Kendo, Karate, Do, Aikido. Um, and uh, Aikido is the only one of those modern martial arts without a competition aspect. So it's kind of a, a special point of Aikido. But I, that's a double-edged sword. And I can tell you because competition can keep you sharp. I think putting competition uh, in the right context for karateka is important. And mm. I think people who take things uh, to really high levels, you can experience burnout. 
I've seen it in judo. Um, I was never that good, but I had lots of friends who were ranked, you know, number one, number two, number three in their country at their weight class. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get there, the pressure. And then martial arts doesn't have the payoff that most other, it's, it's a minor sport. It's not a major sport. So let's say you're a world champion in karate. Well, great. You're not going to get rich. You know, if you're a world champion basketball player, well, you got rings on your finger and million dollar contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but winning and losing is, you know, is part of life. And I think that we can explain that aspect too. And if students are getting hung up on that, you tell them to let it go. You tell them that's not what this is about is lifelong learning. You, you won today. Well, don't worry about tomorrow. You lost today. Well, don't worry about it tomorrow either. Cause it's not real. If you're alive, you won. This is martial arts. That's what Budo really is. It's about, it's about staying alive or living well. Right. Not just staying alive. That's jitsu. But uh, but Budo is about living. And if you're alive, it's supposed to martial is supposed to teach you value of life. Right. A lot of people take mm -hmm. life for granted. But when you practice a martial art, it's scary. Oh, man, I could have fell and hit my head. I could have got I could have got injured. Mm. Um, and then you realize I'm so lucky to be alive. Right. You're, you're constantly supposed to have these kind of near death experiences on the mat, mm -hmm. on the in the dojo. And when I say near death, I don't mean like a car coming to hit you. I mean like, whoa, that senpai could have took my head off. I could have fallen here. That could have broke my arm. I could have broke their arm, you know, if I wasn't careful. I could have busted their lip if I wasn't careful. And so Mark, that's what makes martial. So you're right. Painting will not give you that fear factor that's going to make you supposed to. You will appreciate beauty and, and that should be done. But martial arts, nothing will make you appreciate your health like martial arts, right? You get injured. Oh, man, I can't use my arm. Um, oh, you hurt my knee, right? And, I, and all of a sudden you get back. You can't wait to get back to that dojo. And so martial arts teach you to that appreciation. And the other part is that martial arts is, is lifelong. And that's the part that we got to keep stressing, that it's lifelong and should be engaging. And if competition is driving people out, Pull them out of the competition. Tell them, stop, you don't need that. I never competed once in karate. I, I, I do it almost every day and I love it. If, if something is poisoning, right? If you hold too tightly, right? In Aikido, there's a phrase when you grab someone's wrist in Aikido. It's not like judo where you grab really strong. You grab strongly enough that you hold on, but not so strong that, you're, that you lose almost sensation. And the phrase is, Hiyoko no skame. And Hiyoko is a baby chick, like a baby chicken, the little yellow mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm. And if you hold a baby chick, right, in your hands, if you squeeze too tight, you're going to kill it. And if you, if you open your hands too much, it will jump out yeah. and run away. Mm -hmm. You know, they're chickens, they're fast. And so my senpai explained to me, you know, that you have to hold it. You have to take care of it. And... Um, you know, and by the way, this senpai was in his late 70s when he told me this stuff. And so that's why having that wide range. I was in Aikido 25 years and I learned something new. And that's the lifelong. And you have to have the environment for that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, so but uh, most dojos create have some of that. Right. Some some of it. And then some have more or they'll keep students interested. Um 
But martial arts is so engaging and you have to explain why it's engaging. And so people are going to go up and down. So if competition's hurting you, don't do it. And if karate is not good for you, go, go do Aikido, go do judo, go do jujitsu. You don't need to do. I, I tell people, oh, you know, I like Aikido, but I can't roll. Well. Oh, great. There's karate. You don't have to roll almost at all. And because it's not important what you're doing. It's important how you're doing it. Exactly. That, I think so, that's, um, that's an excellent way to wrap that up. <laughs> Can you believe that it's been like more than an hour and a half? <laughs> I, I can't. You know, it, I mean, this is the way we used to spend our mornings, though, if you remember, standing outside of JKA, talking about stuff. Oh, you know. man. That was, I'm thankful for that. Thank you for oh, those me. memories. It was, uh, that was something else. Uh, me too. And, yeah. you know, um, and that's, if I can end with anything, it's, it's these relationships that are important. And we should explain that, too. That you're going to meet the best, the best people ever met were in martial arts. Yeah. And um, I know some people at business only hire martial arts because they know they're hardworking and have good etiquette. Um, and so, you know, tell people that stick around. If you're having trouble today, it's okay. <laughs> you know, if you're not liking practice today, come back tomorrow and maybe you'll like it then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, keep people interested because, yeah, like you said, it, it's special. And, and if I could end with one other quick point, martial arts does not live by itself, right? It needs a host, like a virus. and <laughs> Like the COVID. <laughs> like the COVID, right? <laughs> Except you want to get infected with this one. And so, um, and right, it's like, a, it's like the, I got the bug, I got a train. Um, but martial arts cannot live by itself. And so if you think of it like a baby or a child, Right. You have to take care of martial arts, right? It has to be educated and taught and taken care of and loved and disciplined. And so, but martial arts, if we don't do this now, you know, we could lose it. People mm-hmm. think that, that, that things live forever. They do not. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, ideas and concepts, um, some ideas and concepts should change. Some shouldn't. And we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And martial arts is, is difficult, it's special. And so it takes years to raise a child, right? Martial arts, dojo, same way. And so mm-hmm. we have to take care of it. That's the reason, you know, if you're really serious about your martial arts, you're going to keep learning because, oh, man, I have this responsibility mm-hmm. to this, this thing that needs me. First, you need martial arts. But you realize it needs you too. It needs teachers like you. It needs teachers that I met in Japan and teachers I met here in the U S and from South America and Africa and all over Europe and all over the world. We need these people. So we got to support other teachers and other martial arts too. And so disseminating information, taking care of martial arts and podcasts like this is part of it. So thank you for putting this out there. I just wanted to thank you. No, no, this is, uh, I mean, what drives me is that I, when I see kids or youth that are training, if they, if ever they want to become teachers themselves, that I I want that landscape to be better yeah. for them than it was for me because I don't make a living out of karate, and if I if I was, then I would probably be collecting checks. <laughs> so like, because you know, being locked down the way we have been, it's it's almost impossible 
And for those of you that are out there surviving, hats off to you. And if you need any support or help, just reach out to me. Don't be shy. I, I just want there to be a better landscape for, for anybody who does want to make this as a living. And it is essentially trying to keep that flame alive or, or as what you were saying, taking care of, of martial art. That's, it's basically the same point, I think, actually. Yes. No, you're spot uh, on. And yeah, wow. I agree. Okay, so I guess we'll we'll wrap it up there. Sounds good. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.